0: Welcome to the City Reach Baptist podcast. If you would like more information about the life of our church, please go to our website at cityreach.com.au or like us on Facebook. We hope you enjoy this message. Good morning, church. Good to see you all out. I believe we've got some extras from City Reach West joining us today. So welcome to City Reach Ogedon. You won't get to hear me preach very often, so you've hit the right day. It's awesome. Uh, It is a delight to be able to open the Word of God, and I'm one of the elders here, and also work for the Friends of Israel Gospel Ministry. That's my uh, paid vocation, Uh, and I don't want to miss an opportunity to promote the ministry before you, particularly because in October, November next year, for the first time, Elizabeth and I along with Colin Latoury and Simon Laurie will be taking a tour to Israel. And so if you're interested in going to Israel, seeing the biblical story in the land, uh, then please see me afterwards or check out the Facebook page for the church because there's a notice on there. And I must say that if you'd have asked me six or so years ago if going to Israel was worthwhile, I wouldn't have been very confident or enthusiastic. My particular attitude of going to Israel was I'll see it from the air when the Lord Jesus comes back, and so that'll do all I need. But having been to Israel several times, uh, my perspective has changed, ridiculously so, Uh, because now I see that if you go to the land, you will read your Bible no longer in black and white, but in color. Uh, It will transform your understanding and also your perspective on what are ancient stories, but always relevant, always personally impacting, in fact. Uh, So I encourage you, if you have the opportunity financially, time-wise, take it and go see the land of Israel. But my main reason for being here today is not to promote the Friends of Israel, but to open the word of God. So if you have your Bibles, please turn to Mark chapter one, verses 16 to 20, if you haven't already opened there. And uh, most of you are sure have realized that this is the last Sunday in 2019, so it is uh, a particularly precious day for us to gather as a church. And usually when we think of final days of the year and as we think of an impending new year, it's quite common for us to reflect on the past, and we've done a little bit of that, being thankful for the past. Uh, Some of us, our past year has been filled with lots of really positive experiences, uh, great memories of great things. Uh, For others, it might be quite mixed. There's been some really great things that have happened, but there's also been some very difficult things that have happened. Uh, In the past year, Elizabeth's mother, Betty, went to be with the Lord, uh, which she was delighted to do as a 90-year-old who was struggling with her uh, old age. Uh, But it was still a sad occasion. They have mixed feelings about some of these events, and she certainly was missed at the Christmas dinner this year, the first time she's been absent. But there's been other exciting things that we've done in the past year. We went to Israel again a couple of months ago. So the year can have very mixed experiences. And for some of you, last year might have been extremely difficult. Uh, might have been challenging and testing. And so it is good to reflect on the past, and it's particularly good to know that God is in our past. But it's also appropriate to consider the future as we enter 2020. Uh, Hard to believe that we've got up to that point, uh, which kind of means I'm older, um, having turned 65 in this past year. Uh, Time is passing, and as a new year ahead, we, we should be wise in how we approach a new year. And so as I thought about that, speaking on behalf of uh, the Lord and looking at the Word of God today, I thought, what would be a good passage to consider so that we might better start well in 2020? And this passage actually came to mind. And so to kind of get you in the right frame of mind as to the setting of this passage, I want you to imagine that you're sitting at your desk at work, uh, if that's the office job you have, or perhaps you're operating equipment in a factory, if that's the kind of work you do, or maybe you're a student and you're listening to one of your lecturers or one of your teachers at school, Uh, or maybe you're just working around the house and doing the regular, everyday things that have to be done, especially if you're a young mum with young children, which our daughter Beck is, of course, and our two daughter-in-laws are. Then imagine that someone that you'd knew from about a year ago, uh, someone you'd spent some significant time with, but you hadn't seen for some time, suddenly visits and asks you to stop what you're doing, resign from your work, or come out of your studies, or stop doing those household duties and uh, come with me and train for a new task without any clear indication of what that means, how would you respond? You know, would you say, you've got to be joking, don't you know how good this is, or that's nuts, or who do you think you are to interrupt my life like this? How would you respond? Well, that's kind of what's happening here in this passage, in Mark's gospel. You see, in Mark's gospel, up to this point, he's presented the ministry of John the Baptist, who is the forerunner of the Messiah, who's introduced Jesus. Uh, Jesus has been identified by his baptism. He's already been tested by temptation to demonstrate his credentials as Messiah. And he's started in ministry. He's been preaching repentance and faith. And so Mark records for us the very first encounter Jesus has with people in this particular episode, where he calls for fishermen to follow him. And when you read the first half of Mark, you'll find that there are two main themes that come out quite strongly. The first is the messianic authority of Jesus, and the second is personal discipleship. And by the way, these two go together. They are partners, they're interdependent. And you need your experience of both if you're going to actually know and serve God. You need to know the messianic authority of Jesus, who He really is and what His claims are and His claim on our lives, and you also need to understand what discipleship means, what following Him looks like. And Mark set the scene for us. He's actually telling us where this happened, passing alongside the Sea of Galilee. Now, the Sea of Galilee is absolutely beautiful. If you come to Israel with us, you'll see it. You'll actually have a boat ride on it. You'll have the opportunity to experience what it would have been like for Jesus to be in the boat with his disciples on that particular lake. It's kind of a sea lake. Uh, It's an inland body of water, which is fresh water, about 22 and a half kilometers long and about nine and a half kilometers wide. Uh, It's actually 20 meters below sea level and uh, it it varies because the rainfall in Israel varies, Uh, but it's an absolutely beautiful, stunningly beautiful part of Israel. And it has an abundance of fish. So if you're a fisherman, it's a great place to go. Mind you, you'll find it difficult to find anybody that will take you out fishing because everybody's taking out the tourists. (laughs) And so the local fishing industry in the first century was booming. It was the business to be in if you were in this area. It was the major source of work and employment and income for people. And so Jesus' first committed followers are drawn from the setting of the Sea of Galilee. They are fishermen. And so I want us to learn how to start the new year well by looking at these four fishermen's response to Jesus, to the call that he gives on their lives. And so we're going to see the candidates, which will be the fishermen, We're gonna see the call that Jesus issues to them. We're gonna see their response, their commitment in response to the call. And then finally, we're gonna look at the person who called them, the Christ. So let us pray. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for the opportunity to be here today. Uh, Thank you for the privilege of gathering as your people to worship you, uh, to express thanks to you for the great God that you are and all that you've done in our lives in the past year. And we look forward to the year ahead And we pray that at this time, as we look into your word, that your Holy Spirit will speak to us, uh, that we might be well prepared to be useful to you, to bring your honor and glory and to be a blessing to others as we enter a new year, to be, uh, as it were, on the mission that Jesus introduces very clearly here to these four fishermen. So bless your word, bless our time together, help me to be clear and help the word to be compelling in the Lord Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So we have the candidates for this call. Simon, Peter, and Andrew, his brother. So as Jesus is walking along the shoreline of the Sea of Galilee, he sees Simon and Andrew going about their daily work as fishermen. Now they're casting out nets into the sea to catch fish. Now they're using a net which you would cast over your shoulder throw it out it would actually spread into a circular shape it would then have weights on the perimeter that would immediately sink it into the sea of galilee and hopefully catch fish Uh, we actually had a guy on the boat that we were on just a few months ago who was demonstrating how you do this Uh, unfortunately he wasn't very good fisherman didn't catch any fish but we actually could see uh, the style of fishing It's shallow water fishing, as against deep water, where they would take the boat out into the center of the lake and fish in that regard. In fact, we'll see that James and John have probably been doing that the night before. And now, Simon and Andrew have already met Jesus, not that long after his baptism, although Mark doesn't record it, and they were sort of acquainted with him. They'd seen some of his ministry, you can read it in John chapter 1, but they hadn't yet committed to following Jesus. In fact, Jesus had not yet called them to follow him. But they'd seen something of who Jesus is and what Jesus can do. And so this is a very dramatic encounter for them because this is going to be not just a casual sort of meeting, it's gonna be a very serious engagement. And then we meet James and John a little bit later in the passage in verse 19. As Jesus walks a little further, he sees two brothers, sons of Zebedee, James and John, who are going about their daily work. Uh, They're not fishing, but they're getting their nets ready for another night's fishing. So they're mending them, making sure there's no holes, cleaning them, preparing them, ready to go out again in the evening to catch fish. Now, tradition says that John has already met Jesus as the unnamed disciple in John chapter 1. James has not been mentioned, however. But if uh, John had met Jesus, I can imagine their conversations at night as they're fishing, waiting for their catch to be caught. This guy Jesus, amazing sort of fellow, Um, remarkable things that he's done. And so both Simon and Andrew and James and John have an understanding to some extent of who this person is. But what really fascinates me about this passage is that we have four very ordinary people. They are fishermen. And that's not surprising, actually, because when you read later in the Gospel, sorry, in the New Testament, in Paul's writings, you'll read that God actually works with not the wise, powerful, and noble, but with the foolish, weak, and lowly. You know, the ordinary people of life. uh, We tend to look up to the extraordinary people in life. But Jesus is calling ordinary, average people. Interestingly, however, they aren't lazy people. These guys are actually on task. They're being faithful to their employment, to their business, which is fishing. Uh, One commenter said that God calls busy people. The ministry's no place for idlers and quitters. Uh, And if you're a pastor, which Timon is, and a number of our staff, of course, uh, they know that because there's every temptation to quit and there's no time to be idle. There's too much to be done. Now, by the way, these are not poor fishermen. You know, often we think of Peter and John and James, we think of them as poor fishermen. That's not the case. These four men are actually partners. Uh, We learn from Luke chapter 5 that they've been operating a very successful business. you, fishing with fish is a very successful business because it's a staple diet of the people. So you catch fish, you sell fish, you make money. Peter actually owns his own boat. He's not a hired servant for somebody else. He's managing his own business. Uh, We see that Mark and, uh, from Mark, sorry, that James and John are working with their father and they have hired servants. So we're not talking about, you know, a one-man business or a one-man show or a person who's employed to one other very successful fisherman, these guys are operating their own business. And that's pretty important because when we see their response, you'll realize that this is no sort of minor response they're going to give to Jesus. This is a very significant response they're going to make to him. It actually highlights the degree of the call. But at this point, I want you to think that if you start 2020 well, the new year well, you just have to be average. You just have to be ordinary. You don't have to be spectacular or outstanding. You just have to be available, responsive, as we'll see. So any one of us can be included in starting the new well. Uh, we don't have to be especially qualified in particular ways for next year to be an awesome year in the service of God. So what's the call like then? Well, we read here that Jesus said to them, this is initially to Simon and Andrew, follow me. And I will make you become fishers of men. Now, this call has a relational dimension and it also has a rewarding dimension. The relational dimension is that it means that you are to follow a person. He's not calling these men and anybody since to some great cause uh, or to an organization uh, or to a particular. Um, activity, although there is an activity associated with this, he's actually calling us, calling them to follow him. And that wasn't very unusual, because uh, Jesus is a rabbi, uh, he's a teacher, and in the first century, it was very common for rabbis to have a personal following. They have a group of people who would sit under their instruction and learn from them by following them which meant basically living each day with them on a continuous basis. But Jesus is a very different rabbi. You see, he's the greatest rabbi that's ever lived. And he has an authority that no other rabbi ever had. In fact, it becomes very obvious that he's different from all the other rabbis because people say of his teaching that it's unique. It carries authority that none of the rabbis carried because it was actually the words of God that were being spoken through the lips of the God incarnate man, Jesus. And so his call is sovereign. It demands total surrender to him and his mission, which then is expressed in this promise. It's an amazing statement. Jesus says, follow me, and I will make you become fishers of men. You notice how prominent Jesus is in the statement? Follow me and I, that is Jesus, will make you become something. So there's a promise of effective service. There's a promise of being able to fulfill this calling, this mission, because Jesus is gonna make it happen. I will make you become fishers of men, which basically means you're fishermen. You know how to catch fish. I'm gonna train you how to catch people. People for the glory of God and for their spiritual good. So you're ideally suited to this calling because you already know that catching fish is a demanding and important task, but I'm going to transform it into something far greater, more eternal, and greater blessing for all. And so he's actually fulfilling his own mission. Jesus came to call people into his kingdom, into his community into fellowship, into relationship with him, and he's gonna do it by calling specific individuals who will then call others, who will call others, who will call others, and guess where we're at today? Someone's called you. Someone called me. Someone shared this good news of this gospel truth with me many years ago, and I was called into God's family. It's gone on for centuries, this mission. And it captures the idea that with God's calling, comes God's enabling. You know, when God calls us to himself into relationship with him, he doesn't, as Timon's already pointed out earlier today, he doesn't leave us to fend for ourselves. We got you in, now you've got to struggle on your own. No, I will enable you. I will empower you. I will equip you. I will make it possible for you to fulfill the calling that I have placed on your life. Now, fishing isn't actually a new concept in terms of spiritual fishing in the Bible. It actually comes in the Old Testament. One of the passages I'll read to you is from Jeremiah chapter 16, verse 16. It says, behold, this is God speaking, I'm sending for many fishes, declares the Lord, and they shall catch them. Now, unfortunately, (laughs) the context in the Old Testament is when fishing is used, it's in the context of judgment. Catching them is actually not for uh, blessing, it's actually for judgment. Uh, and actually fits well here surprisingly because when Jesus has appeared on the scene he's preaching and what is he preaching repentance for the kingdom of god is at hand now repentance is only necessary if a change is required right because that's what the word means the word basically means to change your orientation So if I was going in this direction, if I repented, I'd turn and I'd end up going in this direction. But it's not just a change of direction, it's a change of life. It's a change of orientation towards God, particularly towards our own selves and towards God. So he's preaching repentance because if one doesn't repent, there is an outcome which you do not want to experience, judgment. Jesus came as the messianic king. He came as the one who would be the saviour of the world. We've just celebrated Christmas, right? And we've celebrated that a saviour's been born. But the saviour that was born grew up to be the saviour that died on the cross, who then ascended into heaven and is the reigning king at the right hand of God the Father. And we one day will give an account to this king. So repentance is very much a part of the mission because people are in danger. Spiritual danger. And the urgency of becoming fishers of men is so that they are rescued from that impending danger. That's why it's so appropriate that the concept of fishing is actually used. One commentator made this statement about this passage. The summons to be fishers of men or people is a call to the future task of gathering people in view of the forthcoming judgment of God. It extends the demand for repentance that Jesus has been preaching. Precisely because Jesus has come, fishing becomes necessary. His arrival on planet Earth has demanded that people deal with who he is, which requires someone to communicate who he is to those who haven't yet heard. And so if you want to start 2020 well, then you need a personal relationship with Jesus but you also have in that personal relationship a rewarding promise from him and a mission to perform. You know, we have a purpose for being here that involves other people's spiritual good. So what is the response then of these disciples? What is their commitment to the call that Jesus has offered? Well, both sets of brothers actually respond positively to the call and so they demonstrate their commitment to Jesus and his mission by their response. And it's a remarkable response, because remember, these guys are operating a successful fishing business. Now, you may not like the smell of fish, you may not like handling fish, that may be you know, a bit distasteful, but the money that was being generated by the business was very attractive, and certainly very secure. So when Mark records, and immediately, they left their nets and followed him, that is an, a remarkable response. I mean, there's no dispute about this. Well, you know, who do you think you are to make this demand on our lives? There's no distractions. They're not so immersed in their business that they can't even see or hear the Jesus call. And there's no delay. Immediate. Boom. Just drop it and go. Wow. Wow. A speedy commitment, that is very, very much the case. It also implies, although James and John's response isn't recorded, but later we see that they're with Jesus, so obviously they've responded as well. The immediately used in that setting is about Jesus' call to them. But they neither dispute nor are distracted nor delay in response. Four fishermen leave and go with Jesus. Now this is a sacrificial commitment, not just a speedy one, it's sacrificial because they're giving up their livelihood. They're giving up their security. And they have no guarantees, apart from what Jesus has said to them, that following Jesus is a better idea or a more fulfilling experience or a more successful outcome. Simon and Andrew leave their nets, stop work, follow Jesus. James and John act similarly, but their response is in relationship to their father, where they leave their father, Zebedee, with the boat and the hired servants. Now, this is a sacrificial response in leaving a successful business for an unknown future. Now, they aren't leaving Zebedee, who they would greatly honor and respect as their father, high and dry, because Mark very carefully includes that there are our servants that are hired in the business. And so they will carry on the business with their father, uh, sorry, with James and John's father, in the future. So there's no, in a sense, dramatic loss for the family business, but it is a definite loss for them because they're leaving their livelihood as they follow Jesus. And it was a very specific commitment It wasn't, oh, well, generally speaking, I'm available, Lord, to whatever you want me to do. Uh, It was, follow me, and they followed Jesus. Not just a religious idea, not just some religious activity, not some kind of new religious identity. They actually follow the person of Jesus, specifically Jesus. So if you want to start the new year well, then you need to respond like these disciples. These first fishermen who went straight away after Jesus, speedy, sacrificial and specific to him. But the story wouldn't be complete without the final character, which we've introduced but not talked about, and that is the Christ. You know, think back to what I, the scenario I talked about at the beginning if someone came to you and asked you to stop what you were doing and follow them, you might refuse to do it. If you did do so, how do you think other people would respond? How do you think your parents might respond? Or your spouse? Or your friends? Or your family? You know, I worked with the Adelaide College of Ministries for 35 years, and many students who came to the Adelaide College of Ministries didn't have a very, very positive response to leaving their employment and joining a Bible college to train for ministry. Many people said, you're crazy. You've got a great job. You've got a wonderful career. You've got a terrific salary. Why are you throwing it all away for this religious stuff? They often in a sense, had to go against the flow that was against them while they were making this choice, because, you know, no Bible college, we weren't government funded, so they didn't get loans to pay for fees, they had to trust God to pay for all their costs, so it was a big choice to make, and very often misunderstood, and some people might think, these guys are crazy leaving a great business, a successful business, a secure business to follow this new unknown mess- Messiah character. That you know, there was nothing crazy or foolish about their choice because of who they were going to follow. And I've often thought about, you know, what is it that draws people to Jesus? What is it that is so special and unique about Jesus that Many of you have chosen to follow him. I mean, there are lots of religious identities historically that people follow. Just look at Islam, look at all the cults, whether it be Mormonism, or Jehovah's Witnesses, there's lots of religious identities that people follow. What is so particularly unique about Jesus? Well, the answer is Emmanuel, God with us. The answer is, this is God incarnate. This is not just a human being. This is not just some religious figure of the past, whether it be Confucius or whether it be Muhammad or anybody else. This is actually God in the flesh. And that's why there's this messianic authority. That's why when Jesus issues this call, it is compelling. It is powerful. It draws the following. And so really what we need to do if we're going to see other people follow Jesus is just let them know about him. You know, it's very dangerous to investigate the life of Jesus. Many have sought to disprove the resurrection. Many have tried to debunk the historical Jesus, the real historical Jesus, and have been completely transformed by doing it. Because who he is when you see it in the raw scripture, it's compelling. There's no other person in human history like this person. There's no other person that can promise what he promises and deliver. Because there's no other person that's actually been to the cross, defeated death, risen from the dead, and ascended to heaven and is now seated in glory alongside of the Father as a reigning king. Nobody else liked that. So it wasn't foolish for these men to say, okay, forget that, let's go after him. Let's follow this Jewish rabbi in the first century on the shores of Galilee. Not silly, not crazy, the wisest thing that they could have ever done. And so if you're going to respond to the call of Jesus appropriately, you really need to know who he is. You need to know the nature of this person. You need to know his authority. You need to know his compassion, his love, his mercy. All of the things which combine together as one harmonious person, and yet sometimes it seem so conflicting, that this one is the holy one of God, but he's also the one that will sit alongside sinners. This is the one who comes as a savior, but will be a judge. Uh, This is the one who, for all intents and purposes, was so distinctly separate from humanity and yet walked among us in a way which was so personal, so engaging that tax collectors, sinners, prostitutes, all of those people that were despised in the culture were drawn to him because he offered them something that the culture didn't offer them, and that was life, forgiveness, so as you consider this short episode in the life of Jesus, I wonder how you respond. You know, have you heard Jesus' call to follow him? I hope you all have, if not before, but at least now. Have you recognized who Jesus is? Is he worthy of following? What kind of commitment to Jesus have you made? You know, was it speedy or very delayed? Was it sacrificial or, oh, you know, halfway in, halfway out, Uh, Was it specific? Yes, I am after you, Jesus. You're all that matters. All this religious other stuff, Jesus only is what matters. As one commentator wrote, forsaking must always precede following. You know, you in life often forsake things to follow things. You know, the students who came to ACM, they forsook, forsook certain things so they could follow their course of training for ministry. And even while they were training for ministry, they forsook certain things so they could continue that following. You know, students, if you're gonna be a good student with a successful outcome, you're probably gonna have to forsake certain things for that to occur. Uh, If you're gonna get fit again, you're gonna have to forsake certain things. You know, those cakes and everything else that we've had for Christmas. Um, There are certain things you forsake so that you can follow. But in the case of Jesus, we actually surrender ourselves to follow Him. We forsake our own self for the sake of His glory and for others good. So this morning is a last opportunity, at least in this gathering of our congregation, to respond to Jesus. And I hope you will respond in the same way that Simon, Andrew, James and John did so long ago. Because if you do, I guarantee you, you will start 2020 well. And 2020 will be for you a year of blessing, even if it's not a year of ease and comfort because who knows what 2020 is gonna bring for the Christian church in Australia, for you in your personal walk with God, we don't know. But I can guarantee you that Jesus will be with you in it all, because if you're following him, guess who you're with? You're with him, and that's all that will ultimately matter. And you will be in relationship with him, and you will join his mission to make disciples of all nations. Now I know many of you have already responded to Jesus, That's why you're here this morning, because you want to worship God and worship Him as God. But remember what the call was about, and be about the call. The call was not to ease. The call was not to live my life my way for my desires. The call was to live for God, and let Jesus fulfill what He has promised, I will make you become fishers. Of men. And so continue to follow Jesus. And as Timon pointed out in the first service, it's a daily choice. Following Jesus is a once for all choice, but it's a once daily choice too. They go together. So I trust that 220 will be an awesome year for us all, particularly as a church community, for the sake of our community that we might be the fishers of men or the catchers of people spiritually that then will grow the family of God for the glory of Jesus. That's what we all hope that God will enable us to do. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we thank you for Jesus. We thank you for his call on these disciples, these four fishermen. They were so privileged to hear that call. And we are privileged to hear your call even this morning as the word of God is proclaimed. And may your spirit call us into deeper relationship with Jesus and enable us to be those who live out that relationship on a daily basis, that we might have an impact in our community, in our circle of influence, in our friendships, in our families, uh, that many will respond to the call of Jesus, follow him, we know that eternally that's the best thing anybody can do and we ask that you would glorify your son even this morning that he might be lifted up to draw people to himself that you lord jesus would be full of joy because of the sorrows of the cross accomplishing your purposes in transforming people's lives thank you for your life help us to live out that life And we ask this for the glory of God in Jesus' name. Amen.